Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every day on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audio versions of the show are anchor. And if you'd like to contact the show, you'll find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, the Upper Tier. Joining me as always for our weekly transfer show, a kind of like a little Sunday sit-in, really Sunday morning sit-in on a glorious day. For this transfer show, my partner on the show, Dean Fitz. How you doing, Dean? Sun's out, guns out. Awesome. Before we get into this, there's something I want to touch on. Breaking news there this morning. We spoke about this all year, practically. A young man has taken his life again due to racial abuse. A young man called Seed Vizem, who was a part of the youth side in AC Milan and also a part of Benevento. 20 years of age, suffered racial abuse, constantly suffering it, wrote a letter, took his life. I'd like to read some words from his letter to make the point across that these vile, horrible people who I can't even describe as human beings. He says in his letter, everywhere I go, I feel the weight of people skeptical, disgusted and scared looks at me. I'm not an immigrant. Remember, everyone loved me, Fizzin wrote. I had managed to find a job that I had to leave because too many people, especially older people, refused to be served by me as if I wasn't already uncomfortable. They blame me because many Italian white people couldn't find jobs. Something has changed inside me like I'm ashamed of being black. So I hope our viewers and our listeners and think about those words that this young man felt he had to write in this letter before he sadly took his life. So RIP Sid Vizen. Again, another one lost to these vile, horrible people. Now, who, who, who gives these fucking animals the right, the right to, to judge someone because of the, the, color of the, the color of their skin? You know? Just God bless the young man, do you know what I mean? God bless his family. Yeah. So thoughts, um, prayers, and condolences to his family who now have to live with the scar that society creates. And it's so sad. Um, I said this uh with three or four weeks ago on the the matchup when they done that blackout regarding the racial abuse online and stuff like that. And I said it's never going to stop. You know, what 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 does it take? What what does it take to make it stop? Because it's never going to stop. You know, it's it's never ever going to stop. You look at the abuse Marcus Rashford suffered after the Europa League Cup final. The from from their own fans. But do, do you know what? Do you know what really boils me blood, Noel? It's the following week if they scored a goal that our that our fucking hero get. Just Facebook, Twitter, all these all these platforms. They're all they're all making fucking copious amounts of money. You know. But they're afraid to put out this thing that if you set up an account now, you have to put a passport. You have to. People go sad, miserable, lonely, pathetic people go out of way, set up fake profiles to share a few comments with someone about their skin color. And then they delete the profile, you know, as if to say, like, stick my chest out. And I bet you these are the same lonely, sad, pathetic people that are claiming the social benefits, you know. They don't have nothing to do with their life. Just sad, miserable, pathetic people. But yet they go up in front of the courts and get a slap on the wrist and a fine. Lock these bastards up. Give them a year in prison. 
you know, make that a thing that if you're caught doing this, you get locked up. Because that's why people are doing it. You look at the young lad that's, that racially abused Ian Wright. I cut this short. You look at the young lad that racially abused Ian Wright, you know, a slap on the wrist, a fine, because they didn't want to give him a criminal record at such a young fucking age. If you have, if you're man enough to call that, call the certain people these names, then you're man enough to take a criminal record. And so what if it ruins your life? You know what I mean? Look look at this young lad who 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 left that note, you know what I mean, this morning. His life is ruined. He's fucking dead now because of because people just decided, oh, we don't like the colour of his skin, so let's just target him. You know? And his, family's, people, and his family's life. Exactly. They have to live with this forever. But if these people are just going to slap on the wrist and a fine, well, this person has took his life. It's not It's not right. You know what I mean? Something seriously needs to be done about this. And I'll leave it at that because it's. A, I, I get very, very upset about it. Absolutely. So, rest in peace, Sid Vizzy. Let's move on to the transfer show, 6th of June. Um, <laughs> I don't know, we look at it, is this, <laughs> we need to talk about players, but we also need to talk about managers. This week has been an absolute madness. <laughs> the manager merely go round. I suppose we need to start off with everyone probably just needs to laugh at Arsenal, don't they, when you think about it? On, on all, on the whole broadened spectrum, let's laugh at Arsenal. Look, here's Arsenal. The, the big club who present themselves as being, you know, a top four, top five, whatever you want to call it, go out to sign Emmy one day, lodge a bid of 30 million that they knew wasn't acceptable. Um, they've been chasing this guy now for God knows how long. This is like Sancho part two for United. Um, and Villa comes in, offers what the club wants and goes and potentially signs the guy. And he rejects Arsenal for Villa because he feels like that Arsenal are just taking the piss. Basically, yeah. You know, and I'm listening. I listening to a report there this morning by some Villa fans, and they hit the nail on the head where they said, "Don't call yourself a big club unless you're going to act like a big club, and by doing this, you don't act like a big club." So hats off to Villa this morning and the Villa fans. I hope you get your man. It looks like you're going to get him anyway. It looks like it's agreed at this stage and Arsenal please take note if you want to be regarded as a big club back like a big club um, it'll be a long long time before Arsenal are regarded as a big club again um, top to bottom they're going in the direction of in the direction of sports um, trying to get the, the cheaper deals um, the whole selling of the club going out and trying to get the, the three boys from the Invincibles as part of the agenda thinking that that's going to sway Stan Kroenke I think the only way Stan Kroenke leaves Arsenal is if he dies and I'm, that's, I'm just using that as an example because he's, he's a stubborn businessman he ain't going anywhere anytime soon but um, down to the or the the, man, like the manager's position, you know, they, they thought they'd bring him in after looking at Pep for a few years and think that he's going to come in and they'll be the next Arsenal. Now, Arsenal has been on the decline, on the decline for a long, long time. And I've, I've not taken Arsenal serious since the whole 40 plus 1 million for Lewis Suarez. And it's just been a slide ever since, you know. it. They're getting like Everton now. It's, if, we have, if we finish above Spurs, it's a good season. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird as well because Bundia is an outstanding player and a thirty odd million. Now we're only talking three million in the difference here. Villa's bid has been accepted for thirty three million. Arsenal yeah. bid at thirty million, and I'm thinking even at thirty three million, this lad is a snip. 
Yeah, there's, I, I read that something about the, it's the potential to go up to 40 million with bonus or with add-ons and stuff like that. But Villa are on the rise. And we're reading this week as well that Grealish wants to stay. You know, Tammy Abraham, we'll touch on that later, might be coming in. Like we've seen in, we've seen in fits and starts that Villa, you know, they can put it up to anybody. They're a very, very good side. Uh, let's forget about the 7th tier against Liverpool. But can only see good teams, you know what I mean? Uh, you can see them kind of, I know Wolves had a dip this year, but you can see them kind of going in the direction of Wolves where top 10, tops, top eight, you know, and then and like build on and build on. But yeah, very, very good signing. We were linked with him last year, I think. Um, didn't materialize. Very, very good player. Very exciting player. Uh, has an eye for goal. He's very good in uh, bringing the, the strikers into play and all. So, you know, all things other than Liverpool, Next season is going to be a very, very exciting season. Some very, very good players already in the league and there's some very, very good players coming into the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chelsea this week came out and they're expected to sort out the contract extensions for um, Thomas Tuchel, obviously, first and foremost, which I think has definitely earned stone, a yeah. shadow of a doubt in stone. But also, they're just looking to tie down Thiago again for give him another year, I think it is, or a year extension. And also in Golo Kante. Um, I, I think both of these are a given, aren't they? I mean, Thiago said he's come out, he wants to stay, he's just waiting to sign on the dotted line. Can't they? Yeah. I'd imagine will stay. Um, but again, you always have that kind of idea of the Euros and what's going to transpire in the Euros, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think Chelsea for him is probably the place to be. There wouldn't be that many other options in terms of giving him a better situation. Wouldn't be many other uh, options considering the money that would have to be paid to buy him as well because if he goes out and wins the Euros with France, you're, you're talking at least at least 150 million. And that's not, that's not even like being a bit OTT. He's the best midfielder in the world at the moment. He's absolutely class. Yeah, um, we've already said he probably has one hand on the Ballon d'Or at this day, so if he has a big Euros... I mean, the world is ice. Is, is well, you, you look at the year that uh, Modric won it, you know, when Messi and Ronaldo had had good season as well. Like, I feel bad that Lewandowski didn't get it last year because he was the best player by far last year and it was cancelled, which I don't understand because I'm sure they can generate uh, votes electronically and he still could have get, given them the award. Um, I had, had a, a discussion with a couple of football fans on a couple of other platforms that I'm on and I was saying that Lewandowski for breaking the German record. I know, I know it's a year later and all, but I do think he deserves the Ballon d'Or for his season last year. But touching on and Kante, he ha- he has to get it this year. And if he goes out and wins the Euros and he doesn't get the Ballon d'Or, you'd be asking them questions again about what's going on with uh, this voting system because it always seems to be a case of you have to keep the golden boys in in the picture, Messi and Ronaldo, when the the standard of football across Europe has dra- dra- dropped. Dramatically, there has been a few standout players in that position or in, in, in certain teams that haven't been performing well. There's been players that have stood out um, across this season. But for me, probably yourself, and I'd say a lot of people, especially our friend Ian um, Kante, has to get it. Uh, just another thing, just touching on the contract situations at Chelsea, I believe Giroud was signing a contract extension as well, which I'm very, very surprised at. Um, I thought this would have been his last season and he'd go out on a high with winning the Champions League but um, we can see the bigger picture there we'll touch on Tammy Abraham later on but um, for me Giroud over Tammy Abraham every day of the week for me Giroud over Werner every day of the week 
he's so underrated. I'm sick of saying it. So uh, that's a very, very good move for Chelsea as well. Like if things aren't going well and you need that plan B, Giroud is your go-to guy. Yeah, I wonder is the Giroud move because of the talk that Lukaku has come out and said he wants to stay at Inter Milan. They need that big target man, don't they? Yeah, so they need that. They need that option on the bench always to come on and change up a game, you know. Plus, as well, Giroud was going to do a job for you, and the money you're going to spend on Lukaku was, you know, that's that's the worry with the likes of Chelsea. If they're not signing Lukaku and they have that money to spare, and they're looking at Giroud, Giroud for me can do the exact same job as Lukaku. You like this talk of Varane is only going to be 40, about 40, 45, 50 million max. The, the money is just going to get pumped into other positions and Chelsea are only going to get better. Well, I suppose the difference there is Olivier Giroud on the bench gives you an option, but on the bench, I'd imagine if Lukaku was coming in from Inter Milan, he'd want to be in the start at 11. Yeah, 100%. He would be sitting on the bench after the season he's had at Inter Milan. Let's get on to um, Jaden Sancho. We seem to talk about Jaden Sancho every week. Um, reports coming out from United this week stating that you know they had lodged a bid it was like they were trying to trash out of the bid it was like 70 million plus 20 million of add-ons um, add-ons of various sort of parameters and stuff like that winning the Champions League being world player of the year all these different things that they attached to it um, but Christian Falk has come out and said that no bid has been lodged, uh, lodged and that no negotiations have started between both clubs, which is kind of contrary to what's being said this week. And especially the fact that it looked as if United were the only one in the race for Sancho, that no one else was going in for him. So they had a free reign to go in there and get the job done. And coupled with the fact that Dortmund agreed with the player last year to give them one more year and then they'd happily move on if the right deal was presented, which yeah. is on the face of it now is nearly 40, 50 million less than what it was last year. But then we had Fabrizio Romano coming out discussing that Liverpool are still interested in the player. And I was thinking to myself, are we going to get Fabinho part two? And I'm just wondering, you know, where is this whole thing going? Um, contrary reports, bids being launched, not being launched, clubs talking together, not talking together. And like we had died down. I mean, you haven't heard anything in relation to Liverpool with Jaden Sancho. But having said that, Normally, when we announce a player, it's when we haven't been speaking about him anyway. Yeah, we're, um, we're quite we're quite secretive on that that side of things, you know. But um, how nice would it be? I'm kind of giving up on my pipe dream of killing Mbappe. But how nice would it be now that Sancho was training in in England at the moment as part of the Euro squad and uh, a nice bit of breaking news this week? It, it's kind of a it's. 50-50, like, if he stays at Dortmund, you're, you're, you're not going to be surprised, but I just have a feeling United they're going to mess around. You know you need to just come out and say, look, the money, there's the money. You know, let's get the contract sorted. The, the longer you know you'd wait around, this is what pisses United fans off, the longer they leave it and sitting around and haggling over five or ten billion, the player is good enough, just go out and spend the fucking money. Isn't it mad to think, just, just, just imagine a situation where that happened. You already have this tidal wave of hate for the Glaziers and wanting them out. Can you imagine if Liverpool were to sneak in there at the last minute and steal Jaden Sancho away from them? I mean, they'd show up and wreck the stadium at this stage. You know what I mean? It's just, 
it, it's unthinkable and like you know we laugh about it but these are the things that happen you know but I'd expect United to sign him because it doesn't look like there's a lot more in there for him and United obviously want the player and he wants a move he's good friends with Marcus Rashford and some of the boys there at Man United so it would make sense that that's where he would go but again when you're messing around with these negotiations this money and trying to pull back 20 million and negotiate these crazy clauses and all that kind of stuff that really aren't always achievable. Um, so really, you're washing that 20 million away and you're saying, well, we're really only going to get 70 million for him. When last year, you were looking at 120 million. So it remains to be seen, but we'll keep a close eye on it. But uh, interesting the way the conflicting reports are coming out about where clubs are at with the Jaden Sancho deal. Um, Liverpool reporting in the echo this week. Liverpool, uh, some of their priorities at the moment are to obviously rid the contracts, Alisson Becker and Fabinho. These are a given, really, aren't they? It's just get in there, lads, sort out the contracts, sign on the dotted line, give them what they need to be given and what they're worth, and let's move on. Let's not be messing around with that kind of stuff, and let's be focusing on all the other stuff. Um, what you thinking on it? Yeah. As you said, they're, they're a given. I can't see them boys going anywhere anytime soon. Um, the talk of Van Dyke as well, there's going to be an offer put to him as well. And they're, they're, this summer is the priority to work on Mo Salah's new contract. Um, for me, that's the spine in the team. Your goalkeeper, your best centre-half, your best midfielder. And don't need to tell, tell people that Mo Salah is, is Mo Salah. But that those four are the spine from the back to the front of that team. And um, if you lose any one of those players, or you start going coming into the territory of going into the last year or so of the contract, and all you have all that doubt and the negativity that surrounds it, and you have fans getting filled full of bullshit stories, and the majority of fans believe in the bullshit stories, it's only going to cause um, difficulty throughout the season. You know what I mean? We we had it with Coutinho, we had it with Suarez. Um, yeah, those are a given. Every Liverpool is going to be happy when we get the news that those contracts are signed. But um, just when we get when we get Mo Salah's contract signed, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think I think that'll happen as well. I don't see it being a problem. It's just you know they just have to recognise the value of these players now on the team and you know put it on paper and get it signed up really. Um, Manchester United, who were heavily linked with uh, Varane. Seem to have now switched and are looking at the Atalanta defender Christian Romero. Um, strange kind of switch there, but I know Varane came out. There's a lot of talk linking Varane at the moment with PSG. Um, so I'm not too sure. Um, haven't looked much at the Atalanta defender, um, but looking at Atalanta this year, they give away a lot of goals, but they also score a lot of goals. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure whether Atalanta would be the place to be going to for a for a defender. I'm not too sure. <laughs> Find it very strange. I think this this the the, the stemming of uh, United fans is problems with FSG is well, not not oh, not FSG uh, with the Glazers. Not necessarily just the Glazers, but like you're talking about who's going to come in and take over from Woodward and stuff like that. But United seem to jump ship with with targets. You know what I mean? Whereas Liverpool, you have they have one target, and if they have to wait, they get it. Uh, Man City are the same. Um, Chelsea have their, their like their, obviously Lukaku said he move on, he's not going to move on, so obviously they're going to turn their, their attention to other other places. But 
why are they not going out and really making efforts? Like the same with Sancho, they had the last summer, you know, that the deal was on the table, there was contact made, and and it didn't materialize. The fans were were open arms. Varane, that that was the talk for the last couple of months. He may have said he wants to go to PSG, but at least be seen to make an offer. You know what I mean? If he's your your, your main target, as you said, you're going from wanting to sign Varane, who was arguably in the top five, top six centre-backs in the game, to like a complete, not an unknown necessarily, but a completely like, that's that's like going to your tour of fourth choice. There's a better centre-halves out there. And again, a club like Man United, there was a time when these used to come out and, you know, everybody feared who they were going to sign. For me, if they sign Sancho, Sancho's not going to be the answer to all the problems. Again, we, we've said all, all, all season, um, they need a centre-half partner for Harry Maguire. Pell Torres, 40 million. I just don't understand. I'm just happy it's not Liverpool that are going now and faltering with these deals because, to me, this guy off, Romero off at Atalanta, is, has to be a fourth or fifth choice. Yeah, I think it's it's the frustration that comes through in the United fan base as well. Like, the way the club handles its business, it, it identifies a big target, like a Pogba or a Jaden Sancho or whatever it is, and that's their main transfer target, which is fine. But they spend all summer or whatever it is, trying to land this target. And they forget about these other three or four targets that they need to get in as well. And by the time they get that bit of business done, it's too late to do all the other business. And they, fall, the they fall flat again, you know? But they're dragging out these deals across summers where there's no major tournaments. Sancho goes and has the tournament of his life at the Euros. Other teams are going to be interested, you know what I mean? Um, who's to say the Man City? Because we're looking at the names that are... are Probably you're going to be leaving City in the summer. Raheem Sterling, Bernardo Silva, Gabriel Jesus. Just talk of Fernandinho is going. Jaden Sancho goes out and has the tournament of his life. Who's to say Man City will just come in and blow the water, blow him out of the water, you know? And he came from that club. Again, Man United are playing with fire here, especially this summer with the Euros, because once the Euro starts, you've at least four weeks before you can and you can jump into the water again and start contacting agents and players because the player's going to want to switch off his phone when he's at the Euros. He's not going to want to, his head torn, you know what I mean? Especially coming in, well, England probably get knocked down the group stages, but coming into the latter stages of the tournament, it's not, it's not good for a player's mentality. And again, I'm just happy that it's not Liverpool that's in this situation because it just seems like another summer of upheaval. Like, right? Yeah, plus as well, what happens is if they go in and he does have a good Euros, let's suppose England get to a semi-final or a final and he's their player. You know, he's going up another five, ten million every match. At least. You know I mean? like, and that's the, that's the fair. I just, I, I can never understand me United because like the money's there. You know what I mean? It's just... The penny pinching is unforgivable, really, in terms of the, the structure that it, it throws down onto the fan base. It's so frustrating for them, you know what I mean? If you know you've got someone like Mike Edwards in, they'd be very, very dangerous in the transfer market. They don't have somebody with that brain or transfer strategy. You know, you look at the Thiago. Thiago, fair enough, he had a bad start. He got injured and he was out for a while. And then when he did come back, he, he was a bit of a slow burner. But once he got his rhythm back, we got Thiago at five million over five five million a year for five years. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. Um probably the worst kept secret in football for Bricio Romano confirmed this week that the exit of Divock Origi is on the cards. <laughs> it's been on the cards for a while now, hasn't it? It's been on the cards for about three years. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just just mad, like you know what I mean. Um, read another article there yesterday, an interesting one. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, it looks like Raheem Sterling may be leaving Man City. The talk is it's been there for a while now. Obviously, if you look at the last two to three months of the season, it looks like he was kind of out of favour with Pep, no doubt about it. Um, but then the strange decision to play him in the Champions League final. But he's been linked with a return back to Liverpool. And I read it there yesterday. And I'm kind of thinking, it's what you're thinking of, it's kind of like it's kind of like the Coutinho conundrum, really, isn't it? As well. Um, uh, um I think it'd be very, very hard for him to build those bridges, won't it? Um the footballer, he I know he was quite he was very, very stale this season. Um, and Pep doesn't hang around if you aren't performing, you're not playing. It's as simple as that. To be one of the best clubs in the world without winning the Champions League, have to throw that in there. Wayne, if you're watching, you just didn't win. Um, yeah, he does throwing him into the Champions League final as well. Under that pressure after the season he's had, you know, and Reese James kind of carrying him around with a leash. Um this season aside, though, look, look what he did last season. Look what he did in the season before when they nicked the league off us by a point. You know, he was one of their standout players. Raheem Sterling, the footballer, would have taken back. Yes, because like, like Sadio Mane, I don't think he's going to have another season like that next season. Um, he didn't leave Jurgen Klopp in limbo. So there's a relationship to build there with Klopp if he did come in. It is very far-fetched. Would I be happy if he came back and do I think he could take us up another level? Look, he's a he's a far cry from Divock Origi and uh, Sheridan Security coming off the bench. You know, we, on on his day, he is outstanding. Let as much as we like to hate him for the way he treated Liverpool and how he pushed his way out. Let's let's be real. Like on his day, he's an outstanding footballer. So would I take the footballer back? One hundred percent. But it's. The, how would the fans react? The fans absolutely despise him. I am a fan. I don't hold a grudge against him because there's more important things going on in life than me thinking about him pushing his way out of the club four, what was it, four years ago. So, uh, But there is a, fan, a strong fan base there that will be at those games week in, week out, and they will find it very, very hard to forgive, let alone forget. Yeah, it's kind of like... I don't know, when you look at the starting eleven that we have in there, and if they're all performing the way we know they can, like if we get back to Sadio Mane that we had before, not the one from this season, and stuff like that, I don't know, does he even get in? I don't I don't think so. I, I don't see him, I wouldn't see him getting a run of games either, because if he's only going to, like, look at Jota. Jota came in and he, he really hit the ground running. I don't think there was any pressure on Jota because he was just coming in as cover for the three boys, mm. you know. But when he got his chance, he took it. I only see Sterling. It depends as well on the price of the player as well. Like if it's mad, if it's astronomical money, you're not buying him unless he's going straight into the start eleven. And I've said for the last six or seven weeks that the front three are going to be a different animal next year. They probably needed a season like this season, you know, like the to just think to themselves, look at the standard we were at for, for two and a half, three years, you know, we really dropped well, other than Mo. But 
Bobby's numbers as well. I was looking at Bobby's numbers. Everyone was talking about not having a great season. He scored more goals and he was part of more goals than than all the big names that are being thrown around all this season about great as being great players like Foden, uh, Greenwood, Grealish, stuff like that. I think next season Liverpool's front three are going to be a different breed, especially Sadio Mane. He's going to come out with the traps big time next year. You know, he really he's the only player who's really came out and put his hands up and said, I've not been doing well. Um, he went and got the medicals to see if there was anything physical wrong with him. It just, I just, if, if Jorgen's looking in or looking to start the season with Bobby Moe and Sadio. I just don't see the money being spent on Raheem Sterling unless he's coming in to take one of those positions for himself. And we know Jorgen is loyal. And that's all I'll say on that. I just don't I don't see him coming in unless he's going to be going straight to that team and keeping his position. Yeah, I, I, I think, to be honest with you, I think the only way he comes in, I mean, he's not going to want to move from a bench to a bench. And I think the only way he comes in is if potentially one of our front three goes. And I, I don't see that happening this summer. Um, moving on then I suppose we'll, we'll touch on Spurs are supposed to be in a transfer tussle with Chelsea for uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's midfielder Jonas Hoffman now, I, 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 I always love these headlines that's why I love the transfer window so much because Spurs are in a tussle with Chelsea and I'm thinking, I, just start laugh- I just start laughing every time you start off with Spurs yeah so I'm, I'm sort of thinking I'm sitting here and I'm Jonas Hoffman and I'm and I'm thinking, okay, so Spurs want me and Chelsea want me, and I'm thinking, where's the tussle in this? There's absolutely no tussle whatsoever. Do I want to play with the European champions under Thomas Tuchel, or do I want to play with the top six side in the Europa Conference for, for, who haven't even play, got a manager? I play for Ledley King in the Europa League. On the Europa Conference, you know what I mean? Um, look, I always I, I touch on this sometimes as well with players as well. Like, there's a lot of players nowadays would be happy to go and sit on a bench and pick up a medal. Um, when I talk about this kind of stuff, I always resort back to Danny Ings. You know, he could have sat on a bench, got a Champions League medal, got a Premier League medal, could have, could have got everything with Liverpool. Um, Klopp told him he wanted to stay, but he understood if he wanted to leave. He decided that he was good enough to go and play somewhere every week and he's proven himself when he's not injured this season. I think he should have went to the Euros, if I'm honest. Um, this guy, Hoffman, if if he believes in himself that he's good enough, he'll go he'll go somewhere where he's guaranteed to play every week, i.e. Tottenham Hotspur. If he's one of these players that knows he's good enough but he's just all about medals, he'll go to Chelsea because... Where does he where does he where does he fit in at Chelsea other than the bench and coming off the bench or playing League Cup games or you know playing the so let's let's say the fourth seed in the Champions League group because who's he pushing out of midfield there? Kovacic, Jorginho was being talked about leaving, but Kovacic and Kante, I don't see them being pushed out at Chelsea midfield at all. Kovacic really shown on the two shell, I think. And then you have Mason Mount is the first name on the team sheet. Havertz is going to be an absolute. He's just going to really, really. He's going to set. I said it in January. He's going to set the league alight next season. Um, Bernard will eventually start taking his chances. You have Giroud coming off or coming in for for him. Yeah, just I just don't see 
where he goes other than the bench at Chelsea. But if they're not spending big money and he wants to just go there and play a bit part and challenge on all fronts, Chelsea's your go-to team. But me, if I know him, if I know I can play every week, I go to sports. But then again, Chelsea will offer more money and yeah. You know, you just have to be a more exciting prospect. But then again, who doesn't want to be one of the first players to play in the Europa Conference? Certainly not him by the sounds of things. <laughs> um, uh, another player that's come up this week, um, Sol Neges, who has been linked a number of times with United again. Looks like he's off to Bayern Munich. 68 million. Nice bit of business done, boy. Yeah. Now messing no. about. We want the player. Write the check. You're on your way to us. No messing about. The Bayern Munich when they do their business. Uh, outstanding player. Absolutely outstanding player. I, I read one report that he could be linked to Liverpool to re- replace Genie. Jesus, if we, if we signed him, you'd, like that prospect of a, of a midfield tree picked from Thiago, Jordan Henderson, Fabinho, and Son, the guys, like, you know, you'd want to have uh, three or four extra players to get through there. But yeah, with the players that have left Bayern Munich, it seems like the obvious choice for him, doesn't it? But what a player. He's absolutely outstanding. He, You've seen him against Man United. We've seen him against Liverpool. But don't watch Spanish football as much as I used to. But any time I watch that guy, he's a standout player for Atletico Madrid. He's absolutely outstanding. And at that price as well, is a snippet. Yeah. Looking at... Um, good that you brought it up, Jeannie Wijnaldum. And of course, Liverpool, first of all, came out this week saying that they're not actually looking to replace Jeannie Wijnaldum at the moment uh, directly. But they also um, look at a genie Wijnaldum. It doesn't look like the uh, the dream of Barcelona is going to go ahead, and it looks like he may be off the PSG. Um, Barcelona dragging their heels. Very, very, very strange. Especially, especially on a free. You know, there was talk of a, a lesser wage as well to sign there. Um, the whole year, the whole talk was just off that Barcelona deal. We were here in Memphis, the boy is gone and Kilman is staying. And I, I just have a feeling there's something difficult going on in the background there because as soon as that last game for Liverpool with Palace finished, we heard all this talk that people are gonna, people close to him are gonna come out and talk about how it wasn't his decision and. He wanted to throw FSG and Liverpool under the bus and all. I just have a feeling that there's something more difficult going on in the background there. There has to be Noel because that we just thought that was going to be as straightforward as possible. But the closer it got to the end of the season, I said on, on here, I said, why is it just not being announced? Why have Liverpool came out and said that they want him to, to, the, like, to, to let the fans know what's going on? It's very, very strange that this deal it does, looks like it's not going to go through. Um, PSG have the money to... And, Look, let's let's be real. Genie Wijnaldum in any team is only going to make that midfield better. He's a workhorse. He's very consistent. Um, Rarely injured. Yeah, Rarely exactly. Injured. You know what always, I mean. He's always available. I, I'm sad to lose him. Um, but when I heard all this shit about people who want to, is is it boys and his family and all want to throw Liverpool under the bus, I said, I just say good riddance to that kind of stuff because uh, if there was issues in the background, Liverpool could easily have come out and said, look, this is the problem, this is what we're having. Liverpool have been loyal to him all through the season. They haven't came out and said anything. He seemed to be one that had the, the slow dig all the time about, oh, the club can talk about this and ask this person about, about what's going on. And as soon as the season finished, we had all this crap about throwing Liverpool under the bus. So there, there definitely has to be something going on in the background. Someone's making it difficult. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Everton release of five <laughs> players this week. <laughs> oh, I just hear that word and laugh. I don't know where we begin. You've Ancelotti getting out of there as quick as a NASCAR driver. I've never seen a deal for a manager to happen so quick who's already in a club. Um, but they're releasing this week Josh King, Robin Olsen, Balassi, Theo Walcott, Mohamed Besic make up the five that they're going to release and it'll save them a million a month in wages. I'm sort of thinking, how do those five players make a million pounds in wages a month? It's absolutely ridiculous for starters. Um, fucking field stamps. You get field stamps for four of them anyway. Theo Walcott's the only one who's seen to be actually doing some still in the game. But Josh King, what a, that was just... Just leave him at, at Bournemouth. They could, they could be promoted at this stage. Um, I, just want, I just want to say that. I really feel sorry for Everton. <laughs> no, I don't. I absolutely love what's going on at Everton at the moment. Couldn't be happier. They're absolute parasites. That's the views of all Liverpool fans, just not myself solely on the upper tier transfer show. That's all Liverpool fans think they're parasites. Um, all the videos I've seen this week, sorry, I know we try and be serious on the show, but all the videos this week I'm seeing about all the tweets and all saying that Carlos here to stay and then the absolute hatred he's getting because everyone got so invested in this project. The owners couldn't have been happier, they thought. Well, we have a manager of Carlo Ancelotti's caliber, and as soon as Real Madrid just waved at him, he was like, I'm out, I'm going back to Madrid. Could not be happier for what's going on at Everton. Um, straight, and on to, this, straight, straight on to the Mersey Rail, out to Cheshire, straight down to Hollyhead, and across to Spain. <laughs> no messing about. But yeah, I'd say, he took the, I'd say he took the ferry and all that. He got absolutely slaughtered at it. Oh, I tell you, whatever's in the house you can keep. I don't need to pack up. You can hang on to it. It's all good. Oh, stop. Big Sam and, Big Sam and Roy Hodgson doing a Ger- uh, Gerard Hillier and Roy Evans next summer or Ever- next season at Everton. Oh, God. There was, there was a talk of David Moyes going back and I'm kind of thinking, why would David Moyes leave West Ham at the moment who are absolutely outstanding with a great little project going They're on? Fly- yeah, West Ham are flying. Um I don't see Declan Rice leaving. The the Sancho deal now it looks like that Lingard won't be part of it. You know, looks like Lingard could stay at West Ham next year. They've got a few ball for qualifying for the Europa League. David Moyes, I said this all along. If David Moyes had been left at United to you know to a bit of time, Roy Keane came out and said about Ole, he needs time. When when he was eighteen months in the job, he's nearly three months or three years in the job now, and it's not going anywhere fast. David Moyes had a got time at Man United. We'd, we'd be talking about a different prospect there. But when he's when he signed that deal, we kind of just knew it was set for destruction. It was like the Pardew six-year deal at uh, Newcastle. It's only one way to go, especially at a club there. Look at the way United fans are towards the Glazers and all. They turned on Moyes and it was just a losing, a losing battle for them. But yeah, why, why would David Moyes leave? leave West Ham they're, they're only going to get better as well you know for, to go from literally with the skin of their teeth staying in the Premier League to the season they've had and missing out on Champions League football it's not really a disappointing thing for them because let's be real they were never going to get top four in my opinion they were never going to get top four where they finished is probably where they deserve to finish 
not only that, I mean, like if you look at the, as you said, the season they had last year, a top ten mm-hmm. finish this year would have been outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, but uh, they were absolutely brilliant, and like he, he was a huge show for manager of the year as well. I know we had him in most of our picks. Um, just, just on the, you look at this, the players that were brought in with Carlo Ancelotti as, as well at, at Everton. Who's to say that Moyes doesn't go in and they're just like, you're not what we want here. It happens at clubs. So what happens if he goes back to Everton and Everton have a very, very bad start to the season and players are talking about, we don't want to be here and play for him. They were setting their ways under Ancelotti. You know, what happens if he goes back to Everton, doesn't work out and he gets sacked? Well, Carlo, Carlo was a big part of Hamas going there. So, and, he's, and he was he was a big player for them this season when he was in the side. I know he got injured and he was in and out with injuries. But when he played, he he brought them into a different level in fairness to Everton, you know. Um, Fabrizio Romano reporting this week as well that Liverpool are not in for Basuma. I was a little bit disappointed in this because I was, I was hoping this is one we might get across the line yeah. in terms of that genie when Alden conundrum. Um, but yeah, a little bit disappointing. That's what was reported. But again, in Mike Edwards' fashion and way, that doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, let's touch on, talk about Spurs for a minute. We have to talk about this Antonio Conte situation. It's just, you know, it, it, it's, it's happened in a very Conte way, hasn't it, when you think about it. He's gone in there, met with the club, ironed out the contract, uh, stated kind of what he wanted, uh, put together a transfer budget, put together his transfer targets. And now news is coming out from the club to say that at the meeting it was yeah, yeah, yeah. But when the paper arrived, it was no, no, no. <laughs> and last minute he's pulled out. And this is on the back of an Italian sporting director going in there as well, wasn't it? There's a contract signed for that as well. It's going in. I think it was, was it the lad off Juventus? Yeah, a lot off Juventus that's going in there, and you're looking at that situation, and you're thinking, you know, if they were to get Conte in there, and they had that sporting director in there, and they make a few signings, <coughs> you could see Spurs were a big chance this season of potentially getting some silverware under Conte because everywhere he's gone, he's brought success. Um, went into Chelsea and now and won the league in his fourth season. He went to Italy and. Like really made a statement winning the, the Serie A and breaking the stronghold of um, Juventus. Of Juventus. The, the something for me, Daniel Levy has to has to step away from sports. The owners aren't going to be happy. Fans are going to be very, very angry. I presume they are if they're listening. You're seeing expressions. He's certainly not happy. Um when, when the, the, the managers, especially as Man United too, but we're now we're solely talking about sports here. With the player or the managers that are, are free to, to talk now, you know, you have Zidane, probably going to go to PSG, Conte, Pochettino, Allegri, Ralph Ragnick, Ragnick or whatever, I can't pronounce his name. Um, the, the, the managers that are available, with Man United kind of just need someone to come in with the, the nous tactical awareness who can make the decisions that are needed to get a good team to the next level um, and sports here are just on a, on a on a massive decline I talked about this with Graham uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about and um, I was saying that 
sports can't go anywhere until they get a manager. And the longer they leave this, the more it is likely that uh, Harry Kane is going to leave. Gareth Bale is talking of him retiring now. If sports don't get the man that's needed to come in there and, and turn everything around there, and Kane goes, Bale retires, and he goes, it's like he'll go anyway, even if he doesn't retire. Son could leave. See sports just really, really falling away from the top 10 in the league, and that's not being far-fetched. If they don't get this summer right, they are going to go downhill rapidly. Well, they've really... They've been backed into a corner, really, haven't they? Because they've really only got a week to get this sorted because the Euros start next week. And once the Euros start, then everything is up in the air and turmoil starts and all that, and no one's really signing at them. Um, so I think, I think they've really got a week to get this sorted. And I think, as embarrassing as it might look, I could see a situation where they roll back and give Conte what he wants. I don't, see, I don't see any other option for him. I was just going to say that. I was like, if I am sports, you have to go in and give Conte exactly what he wants. It's Conte or Poch, okay? Poch comes in because of the whole love affair. Maybe shouldn't have been sacked. If Poch comes in, he, he might be able to get Kane to stay for one more year. I know Kane is 29, or I think he's 29, is he? Uh, 28, 29, yeah. 28, 29. If Poch comes in, he could get him to stay for one, one more year. If, if Conte comes in, the manager of that calibre sits down with the club captain, tells him what he wants, tells him the project that's going to be in place. He's not a bullshit, Conte. He'll come in and, and he, he's set in his ways, you know what I mean? If there's some money available there and he can add to, the, to, to what's there already, get a settled back line, um, you know, re, replace one or two in the middle, he, he's, he's very, very capable of doing that. Um yeah, I literally was just going to say that when you said it, they have to go out before the Euros now and get him in and have a chat with the players via Zooming or, or whatever. They need to get, get they just whatever he wants, just give it to him because he's an exciting manager. You know, he, he's won trophies wherever he's gone. He's going to come in there. Players get excited playing for managers of that kind of, of, that kind of caliber, you know. If they don't get Pochettino or they don't get Conte, I'm going to use Celtic as the example. My uncle's a season ticket holder. All Celtic fans were happy for Eddie Howe to come in. You know, young manager, look what he did with Bournemouth with not much of a budget. And now they're going for a guy who's playing in the tour, I think the, the Greece tour division or something. He's managing the last 25 years and he's won nothing of note. And they're talking about he's an up-and-coming manager. You know, things can go really, really wrong. If the wrong man comes in at Spurs, Spurs have a bad start to the season after losing Harry Kane and Bale is gone. You can just see absolute, especially with building a new stadium. You know, like one of the best stadiums in football at the moment, you know, it, it, when it's packed out, it's a great place to be. They, they just need that, that right decision to make, thing, make things turn in the right direction again. And my fear, and I'm sure Graham. Graham feels the exact same way. If this isn't sorted soon, there's a really, really dark time on the on the horizon for them. Yeah, it's kind of like I nearly describe it as a top four project with a bottom four approach. <laughs> and it's just, it, it is really worrying for Spurs at the moment. I mean, look, and the thing about it is, I know all the focus is on Kane at the moment and on the manager. 
But there's a lot of other really good players there as well who might get the start getting their heads turned as well, who are involved in the Euros or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And I just think, I think for Spurs, you know, they've been dragging their heels on this. You know, the Ryan Mason thing was very, very strange. And even his approach was very, very strange when Ledley King was there. Um, and I just think, I don't know, it's constantly the wrong message. I, I think being linked with Pochettino coming back as well, I think that would be a real bad move because I know there's a bit of a romance there and stuff like that, but he had a real bad fall in there with Levy and that doesn't get forgotten about. And I don't know whether they would give Pochettino what they agreed to give him to get him in. Whereas I think with Conte, they'd be more inclined to deliver on what they promised to him because they know he's a hothead and a lunatic and they know he'll just walk out the door in a moment's notice, doesn't give a damn. Um, so I just, I don't know, with Spurs, it's just, it's one of those ones where, you know, they just have to get this Conte thing sorted out, don't they? They can't let it slide because they can't begin with a week to go to the Euros and you're trying to sort out your transfer plans and whatever's happening with Kane and whatever's happening with incomings and outgoings. You can't be doing that without a manager um, who oh. has a plan and a vision for what he wants to do. And like, as you said, an unbelievable stadium, a stadium that warrants top four every year in fairness and Champions League football the fact that that stadium next year is going to be featured in the Europa Conference League is absolutely a disgrace you know what I mean not, not, not many fans are going to turn up for those games they may as well do a Real Madrid play and play in their training ground because let's be real this whole new tournament and all it's just more money for your wife that is all this is is more money to be you uh, generate for your wife Sports fans aren't going to want to go. You have the loyal fans who want to go every game, but that, they're not going to sell out for those games. Just as when you talk about the money that they're making from the NFL, from hosting them games as well, like, just, you just have to give contact. It's not like he's an unknown manager and he's coming in with all these demands. The man, the man oozes respect. You know what I mean? He demands respect and he deserves respect for what he's done in the game. Mm. If Levy's sitting there haggling with this guy and telling him, like, no, he can't have this, he can't have that, Kill those two, Conte, for saying, I'm out. Yeah. But the only way down, the only way for, from this is down because, look, if he comes in and, and he's not doing a good job, as you said, Conte is the type of man, if he comes in, he's not doing a good job, he'll be the force to walk. Yeah. But if he comes in with all these demands and he takes Spurs and we're not expecting Spurs to get Conte in and win the league next season. They just want to see... Uh, not a gradual like incline in performances and stuff like that perform um, and stuff like that. He's gonna come in and, and steady the ship. He's gonna come in and make things better. He's gonna come in with that style of play that won him a league at Chelsea, that won him a league at uh, Italy, or, or with Inter Milan. And there's one or two exciting players at Inter Milan who love working with him. And who's to say that him coming in there, he doesn't bring someone like Barella or a Bastoni. I know it seems far fetched, but these are the types of names that you're, you're thinking will go to play for a manager like Conte. Yeah, well, it's it's not it's not unfair to touch on those things either when you look at the financial situation at Inter Milan where players have been waiting two or three months to get paid and stuff like that. They may be looking for an option and that option very well could be Conte at Spurs. But I think that's where the falling out was. It wasn't necessarily about his package. It was about the package that was presented in terms of players in and players out and whatever the transfer budget would be. And I think that's kind of where Spurs, I think, either rolled back a little bit on it. Basically, on what was spoken about didn't end up on the piece of paper, I think. And that's where he turned around and he goes, if this is how we're going to start, then we ain't going to start. 
they're in um, they're in a very precarious position because if they don't have much money to add to what's there, and it's a case of they have to sell Harry Kane to buy, it's not looking good for them at all. It's not looking good. If they sell Harry Kane and make the wrong transfer, come here, every transfer is a risk nowadays. Unless you're going out and you're buying a Killian Mbappe or an Erling Haaland, where you kind of know that you're going to get get what you paid for out of them. That's the dangerous thing with sports. If they sell Harry Kane, because that's the only option they have to, to make like viable uh, funds available to bring in better players. Yeah, it's just... Uh, well, see, it'll, just, cause, it'll cause a ripple effect because what happens is if you don't have a manager in place, you can't present a plan really that's a real meaningful plan. So then you have Harry Kane goes out the door. The son suddenly rock up the door and say, I want out of here as well. We're hearing the Harry Winks this week have been linked with Man United. Now, whether it happens or not, I don't know, but he's been linked with it. This is Harry Winks rocking up thinking. Harry, you know, Harry, who, who is he better than in the United team? He's not better than Fred. He's not better than Scott McCommony. I, I don't give a shit. I, I just don't think he's better than any. In fairness, he's better than Fred. He's not better than McCommony, but he is better than Fred. All right, all right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Fred. Maybe Fred. But uh, if this is the players that Man United are, are, are linked with, Kieran uh, Trippier, they come in from Atletico Madrid and Harry Winks off sports. Ole at the wheel, baby. I'm all well, for it. Well, Trippier, I think, would be a good addition in terms of there because they don't really have cover for Wan-Bissaka. And I think between the two of those, when you think of the season Trippier had, I would let it go, was outstanding. And certainly he would be challenging Wan-Bissaka. Um, certainly at a bigger level than, I would think, Tellez and Shaw, if you like, in terms of competition. But team with I, Trippier, the thing with Trippier, no, sorry, um, for me, you're not buying Trippier unless he's taken over that right position, right back position, because Trippier is too, too good a player to come in and, and sit on a bench, as is Aaron Wan Bissaka. So, it, it, that, that day is not going to happen. I do not see that happening whatsoever. Trippier is only going somewhere where he's guaranteed he's starting at right back. Um, and I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to hear Mark and Darren's thoughts on that. Yeah, great name to sign, you know. He's gone to the Euros with England. He's just won La Liga with Letico Madrid. Very, very good player. Still only youngish. I just and Wan Bissaka is Wan Bissaka. He's an absolutely outstanding right back. As much as we hate you, know, like I always give credit where it's due. He's an outstanding right back. I just don't see why bring in someone that good to sit on a bench and vice versa. If he was to come in, would Wan Bissaka be happy to sit on the bench? I don't think so. Well, I suppose the argument there is if you want to bridge that gap with City and you want to be competitive in the Champions League, you nearly have to have two 11s. And the thing about it is, someone has to sit on the bench, but you have to have a similar quality. And I think that's where City at times are so successful, and Chelsea to an extent as well. They have like-for-like like changes on their bench, and I think that's where we kind of fall down Liverpool, and it's definitely where United fall down. When you look to the bench, the options on the bench are not really there. And I think in order to be competitive, that's where you need to be. It's actually the strength of your bench that generates the performance levels in the starting 11 that drive them to a higher level or potentially give you the option to change it out. So I, I don't know whether... I suppose it is a conundrum with Atletico winning La Liga. Like the conundrum is, do you stay at Atletico, the Spanish champions? But in reality, are Atletico going to retain La Liga this year? I would doubt it. 
No, not with the talk of Son Niguez going. Like he's the spine of that team. Um, you think if he goes, there's a domino effect. Then Trippier might be looking at. Look, I've had me me a couple of years in in Spain. I've won I've won La Liga. It's time to go back home. Um, yeah, I I don't know. He could have the the mentality of Lukaku and say, "No, I want to stay here." There's an exciting prospect. It must be absolutely unbelievable to play for Diego Simone. He's absolutely idolized over there. The players absolutely adore him. Um, will he really want to lose Trippier? I don't think so. And I can, he's like Klopp. He's the type of man who'll go to and he'll paint the picture and you'll find it very, very hard to turn him down. Um, then you have... I when Brandon, him, we, though, he, he doesn't seem to be too bothered really about losing players. I mean, when he when he loses players, he's kind of one of those managers that kind of gets on with it, doesn't he? Like, like he's, he's, he's like he's like Klopp, you know what I mean? He just he I I imagine he's pretty anxious if like say one of us he's not gonna be happy if Saul Niguez lives, but he's not gonna come out and fucking lambast him on on the, on in media uh on media Jewies, or he's not going to come out and be tweeting, or he's not going to come out and say, he's not going to be happy losing his best midfielder, but he's not, he's also not going to come out and make a big fuss about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's going to bring in someone adequate enough. Just who's to say Genie Wijnaldum doesn't go to let go of trade? That's what I was just thinking. You're going to get 68 million for Saul Niguez, and you're going to bring in Genie Wijnaldum on a free, free. and I'm thinking that would be great business for Atletico Madrid absolutely outstanding business just on the the Trippier thing as well like when Brandon Williams came through on Man United as well there was talk of him being the next Gary Neville as well you know he obviously doesn't trust him he's a bit of a lunatic as well isn't he he jumps in he's like uh, Liu Kang out fucking Mortal Kombat when he's jumping in for tackles as well you can just see it in him he's that Man United till I die he uh, he just wants to upend people and take their salt but um, but imagine he'll move on then, possibly. he, You know, we don't see Trippier going to Man United, but if he did, it's a domino effect. And probably see Brandon Williams going to probably one of the teams that's coming up on loan or something like that, or say a Southampton, because there's talk of Ryan Bertrand going to uh, Leicester as well now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's um, definitely interesting times in both the player and the manager transfer window. Providing us with great entertainment every We're going to have to do a managers only show soon. Yeah, we're not that far off. But anyway, one or two more now, <laughs> we'd have a complete show. But listen, as always, a pleasure on these Sunday morning sit ins doing our upper transfer show. Dynamo Podcast Network on YouTube for all the upper tier shows. Obviously, loads of fantastic content over there from pro wrestling, metal music, retrotainment. All the different shows are over there at this stage. Shanky so, Sessions, baby. Shanky Sessions, the Liverpool podcast is part of the upper tier. We're also going to be bringing you a new show starting on Monday with a quick review looking back at Serie A this season. And Craig is going to be taking on that show going into the, the new season with a, a weekly look back at the Italian league. Um, so for myself and from Dean, Anchor for Audio versions of the show, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, hit us up. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. As always, like share and subscribe and support the podcast and we will see you again next week for more transfer news which will be even more interesting with the kickoff in the euros till next time buddy see you soon Noel.